this was like the, the most epic journey of my life to see my business grow. I want to be involved with a ton of businesses growth. I want to just be growing dozens of businesses all at the same time. And so when these companies were hitting me up, I mean, it was easy to start that agency because companies already wanted me. What's up, you guys? My name is Mick Krzyzewski, and welcome to episode 56 of That Remote Show, where we hear from location-independent entrepreneurs and professionals so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Brian Lofrumento, the founder of Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur and the author of the book by the same name. I've been aware of Brian's work for several years, and I personally know more than just a few people who have great businesses themselves and swear by Brian's marketing skills and trainings. And on top of that, Brian has a super cool entrepreneur story, and he has even completed one of my bucket list items, driving across the U.S. in a Tesla, which we obviously talked about in this interview because, well, I couldn't hold myself back. I needed to know what that was like. But... That's not all we talked about. Brian and I discussed how he first got started in business by publishing a small blog talking about English Premier Soccer, which ended up growing into one of the top blogs on the subject with millions of monthly readers. We also talked about why he decided to take what he had learned from growing that blog and start an SEO agency. And probably one of my top takeaways from this episode Brian shared his six keys to success for any business that he teaches inside of his programs, which, by the way, like I said, has given rise to many successful online businesses. You guys, I had a blast talking with Brian, and I really walked away with some really great insights, so I know you will enjoy this conversation as well. As always, you can find all the resources mentioned in the conversation over at thatremotelife.com forward slash episode 56. That's episode all spelled out, followed by the number 56. All right, you guys, without further ado, let's dive into this interview with Brian LaFrumento. All right, Brian, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for uh, taking the time to be here today. Thanks, man. I feel like this is long overdue after all of our emails and Instagram DMs, so I'm pumped to be here. I know, and it's funny because we have several mutual friends, and I feel like your name has been mentioned to me like multiple times. Like, you know, we both know, uh, you know, Travis, uh, so we've been connected through that, and also Mitch, Mitch Lore, who's a, a great guy. Um, how did you get to know both of them? First of all, I feel like our community is like very big, but it's also like very small and like everybody knows each other. So how did you get to know those guys? Yeah, for sure. Man, if Travis hears this episode, he's going to die laughing at the way that I recount <laughs> how him and I connected. So I actually found Travis, gosh, it must have been like 2013, which is- And this right- is Travis Sherry from Extra Pack of Peanuts, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Travis Sherry. So he runs extrapackofpeanuts.com, which is a frequent flyer blog. He also hosts the, loca- the Paradise Pack every single year, which I've been a part of five years running now. And so I actually found Travis because back in 2013, I was the CEO of an SEO agency that I started in Boston with a friend of mine from high school. And, you know, we were, we were in our early 20s, we were making money, we were taking our girlfriends on trips all over the world. It was so cool. But a large part of me thought, there's got to be a better way. Like real life entrepreneurs, real people aren't actually paying for airfare. And so I was just Googling it and I found Travis and extrapackofpeanuts.com 
on Google and he had this PDF at the time. It's just this monster PDF that I still refer to to this day, all about everything you need to know about how to travel hack, how to book flights for free. So I actually bought it and I was a huge fan of his work. And so I reached out to him over email just to say that his work's awesome, added him on Facebook. And little did I know that he was also kind of geeking out about my stuff because I was already in the internet marketing space at the time. I had recently done a six-figure launch on a really cool course called the Key to More Customers and Clients, which I actually mailed out on like a little golden USB key drive. So it was really cool. So Travis was watching my launches from afar. I was keeping track of his work from afar. And so fast forward to 2014 or 2015, and I am at an event in New York City at a bar. And I look across the bar and I'm just like, I'm pretty sure that's Travis. And I guess he was looking across being like, I'm pretty sure that's Brian. And so eventually we ended up at the bar at the same time. And we were just like, holy cow, like you are you. And, and we just became friends there. So he was actually just visiting me here in LA two weeks ago. And yeah, it's just never a dull moment when entrepreneurs get together. So it's always fun. So that's my Travis story. Mitch is a fun story as well. So Mitch Lore, Mikko, do you know his URL these days? I want to say budget travel secrets on Instagram. It is budget travel secrets. Yeah, yeah. that's the one thing yeah. I know for a fact. So shout out to Mitch Lore from Budget Travel Secrets. He does really cool things, him and his wife and their awesome daughter. So they just travel the world and they live a location independent lifestyle. And Mitch actually came to me as an unseasoned entrepreneur applied to come to my retreat in San Diego in 2017. And I remember just this young Mormon kid showed up to my retreat full of energy, super excited, wanted to have a location independent business. And so I got to see the very foundational building blocks that week. We set things in motion and Mitch has acted on it ever since and just got a message from him the other day saying, dude, I closed 11K last month. Like I remember when I wasn't doing anything. So it's, it's really cool to see that. You're right. The community is both big and it's tiny and it blows your mind. So you never know who you can learn from, who you can grow with. It's a ton of excitement. Yeah, Mitch has been on the podcast a couple of times. And I think one of them is actually one of the top podcasts in which we did like the four hour work week 2019 edition. That's been a big uh, podcast episode. Sweet. But uh, the funny thing with Travis is that like, he is when it comes down to that credit card stuff, he's like, I was out and I was visiting him in, in uh, Philadelphia. And we went out to grab like a beer. I don't remember what it was. And he opened up the Ziploc bag with like, 35 credit cards inside because he's like you know he's got all this stuff when like grabbing miles stuff and i'm like what are you doing walking around with a ziploc bag full of like what are you doing man like you know so yeah it's a it's a good community both those guys are uh great but i do have to ask you another kind of funny question you don't know this but you did something that i've had as a bucket list for myself for multiple years which is to drive across the country in a Tesla. And it was such a big like bucket list thing for me that when the S model first came out, I had this entire plan how I was going to email Elon Musk and be like, hey, I'm going to drive across the country in a Tesla. We can record the whole thing. It's going to be a huge marketing thing. I never did it for whatever reason. I was like, Elon's going to think this is stupid as hell. (laughs) But you did it and I followed you on social media and it looked awesome. Why did you do that? Where did the idea come from it? And like, what was that experience like, you know, driving an electric car across the country? Yeah, good question. So man, this is this is fun for me to answer because I'll say like on my list of priorities in life, like I know a lot of people have different causes that they care about. And for some people, it's environmental causes. And for some people, it's 
it's, I mean, healthcare and things like that. So there's so many different causes that people care about. And for me, it's really, I geek out big time about entrepreneurship and about technology. And so for me, looking at a guy like Elon Musk, who all throughout his entrepreneurial career, he's been doubted, he has had epic failures and flameouts. And also, he's always at the cutting edge of technology, whether it's with PayPal, whether it's with Tesla, whether it's with SpaceX, I've just always respected his work. And as a result of that, the very first time I sat in the driver's seat of a Tesla, I was like, whoa, this is the future, like this is technology. And so ever since that moment, I said to myself, you know what, when I have made it, I'm going to buy a Tesla Model S. And this was the moment for me where I guess it kind of pushed me over the edge is one of my students, a student in my program who joined my entrepreneur to entrepreneur bootcamp did $16,000 in revenue in his very first month of joining my bootcamp. He sent me a message and he's like, dude, I'm going to buy a Tesla. And I was like, wait, if my students are getting Teslas, I should get a Tesla. And so finally I did it. And after I bought my Tesla, my girlfriend just became an American citizen. So she's originally from Ukraine. And it was really cool for her to become a, an American citizen. And I joked with her when I bought the Tesla, I said, you know, Teslas are more valuable. They're more ROI positive, the more miles you put on them because I don't have a gas expense anymore. The biggest way to get the most benefit out of not having a gas expense is to drive more miles. And so she just became an American citizen. She's never seen the middle of our country. And I said, let's road trip. Let's road trip. See my parents in Boston. We'll fly to Europe for a month. We'll come back. We'll celebrate Thanksgiving in Boston and then drive all the way back to Los Angeles. So that's exactly what we did. Cool thing is, is we had very roughly mapped out our, what our, path was going to be. And we just put the car on autopilot and hit the road. And as we were going, we were pulling up hotels tonight, we were looking on hotels.com, we were just picking places to go. So it was an incredible experience. Definitely. I said I would never do it again, but I'm already itching for another road trip. Why did you say that you'd never do it again? Just because I mean, so for me, like I live in Los Angeles for a reason. It's because I love Los Angeles. I love having a home base. I love being in warm weather. And Doing that long of a road trip, being gone for, in the end, I think we were gone for like three and a half months. I was just like, I'm missing home. Like, I want to be there. I want to be playing tennis. I want to be in my normal routine. And that's the only reason why I said I wouldn't do it again. But you know as well as I do, once you get bit by the travel bug, you just can't stop. <laughs> I have two questions. The first one, what was your expense by the time in driving between, you know, cross country? And did you use, like, did you map out your route based on like the, the supercharging stations? Is that how you did it? Yeah, so about I'll answer question number two first. So about the superchargers, superchargers are everywhere now. You never have to worry about mm -hmm. a Tesla supercharger. So yeah, you could choose literally any path throughout the United States or most places of the world now, and you won't worry about it. So no, we didn't at all consider the supercharger map because the car considers it too. If, if I mm -hmm. say take me from Los Angeles to Minneapolis, it'll plot out and say you're going to stop here, 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 here. And for each stop, it tells you how long. But a lot of times we overrode that as well, because we'd look at the map and be like, you know what, we just want to go a different way. So that's the answer to that question. The first question is the total expense. Well, the driving cost was literally zero dollars. That's so I, cool. Yeah, I got a nail in my tire at one point. So that was like 200 bucks for one new tire. But otherwise, the only expense is hotels based on where mm -hmm. we stayed. But between Tesla camping and staying with friends, we probably only did like, I don't know, maybe six or seven nights in a hotel the entire way. 
And so if you're in a cheaper city, I mean, you can get a decent hotel for like 70 bucks. And then in like Toronto and Montreal, for example, we wanted to ball out, which because of good Canadian exchange rates, we were balling out for like a hundred bucks a night. Like I've told my fiance that probably the next car that I purchase is going to be the model three, like two, three years old. Cause now you can get them like, you know, um, like used. Uh, but I did get a, this is a funny story. I, my dad and I had never actually driven a Tesla before. So my dad and I went to test drive a Tesla and my dad is like, the ultimate example of somebody who you think would be a bad like Russian mobster in like a video game or a movie, he just has that look. So we show up <laughs> in this Tesla place and my dad has this thick accent. We get into the like Tesla with this guy and we're just like zooming up these roads and this guy's like scared <laughs> to like say something. I don't know if he actually thought my dad was a mobster or something like that. Like, he was like, yeah, you know, you keep pressing on the gas. It doesn't get any faster. You know, we're like, we'll keep pressing on it. It's okay. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely a goal. But you, so you mentioned to move away from Tesla and actually into you know entrepreneurship and things that people listening to this uh, are interested in. Um, you mentioned tennis, uh, and you when we were talking before we hit record, you also talked about soccer. And I know that those are like you got started, I believe, with one of your very first kind of like business things being about soccer. What did you do and like, why did you decide to do that in the first place? Yeah, so my first real business, I always like to call it, was a soccer blog. So I was 19 years old at a business school just outside of Boston, Massachusetts, which is where I'm originally from. And freshman year was crazy easy for me. I was not going to class. I had a 3.92 GPA. I was playing a ton of video games like most American college dudes know. And so that summer, I had a job as an orientation leader, which meant that I lived on campus for the summer. It was just me and like 40 other college kids with no adult supervision for six weeks. And during that time is when I really realized, holy cow, all my other classmates are doing very unproductive things. So obviously in college, like drinking culture is very big. I personally didn't have a sip of alcohol until I was 22. And even now I don't drink. I hate the taste of alcohol. And so... Because everyone was doing unproductive things, I asked myself, what can I do that's actually productive? And I loved soccer. And still to this day, I absolutely love soccer. And I love writing. And I love the internet. And so I figured, why not write about soccer on the internet? And that's exactly what I did. And because when I was 15 years old, which is a crazy story in and of itself, when I was 15, I had an SEO internship. So a search engine optimization internship. Totally random. It was just a friend worked at some random company that was looking for some kid to do SEO, which SEO is much different back then. And so for listeners who don't know, search engine optimization is basically getting websites to rank better in Google. And so because of that, I started my soccer blog and I knew about SEO. So we started getting traffic and I saw it trickling up from like 10 readers a day, which was just my college friends, to 100 readers a day, to 300 readers a day to I'll never forget when we had a 1000 readers in a month, I was like, I am the man, I'm the greatest entrepreneur this world has ever seen, I'm going to take this to the top. And so that's how I was feeling. And in the first six months, I'll be honest with you, Mika, you know how much money I made from my blog? I'm gonna guess zero. 200 bucks. Well, that's better than most. In my first six months, I made the, the first $200 advertising deal and I felt on top of the world. And that was just enough to keep me going. And fast forward to junior year of college, we had three and a half million readers from over 200 countries around the world. I was flying to England every other week. I was interviewing Wayne Rooney, Cristiano Ronaldo. I was hanging out with 
with Jose Mourinho, with Ryan Giggs, with Sir Alex Ferguson. It was just an incredible experience. So yeah, that was my first real business. I had a team of 20 writers working for me. We were doing $1,000 in ad revenue a day. It helped me pay off my student loans, which I graduated with $80,000 in student loans. I was so proud to pay those off. So that really opened my eyes to the, the world of possibility within entrepreneurship. What ended up happening with that website? And second, what was like the number one skill that you feel like you learned going through that? Yeah. So what happened with it is I just got burned out. And we'll talk about that with the, within the context of my own entrepreneurial journey, which is there's a lot of different business models that you can, that you can approach or, or that you can follow. And I just found out that nonstop content creation, I was writing 30 articles a day. You were as well, along with the writers. Me personally. Wow. And my writers were also cranking out articles as well. So, and I was also the editorial staff. I had a few guys working for me as content developers and editors, but I was also out negotiating advertising deals. I was schmoozing PR people from different soccer clubs. So there was just a lot going on. And I got burned out after that, after, gosh, I think I did that for like six years I ran Prem Talk. So that journey was awesome. And I just realized, you know what? I love soccer as a fan. I don't necessarily want to be in this business. And also maybe the most important takeaway that I got was the thing I loved about growing the soccer blog wasn't that I grew a soccer blog. It's that I grew a business. And that made me super passionate about growing businesses. And from there, everybody was hitting me up saying, dude, you grew this from literally nothing to three and a half million monthly readers. How did you do that? And companies were knocking on my door asking me to help them. So that naturally led to my second business, which was a marketing and search engine optimization agency. And so then I went more into the service-based model. So the biggest skill to answer your second question that I gained through that was literally the, I'd say, pure, on a pure level, just business growth. Because blogging is, it's a business that you can't touch and feel. It's a business that if you're not focused on the right things, it's very easy to get distracted. It's easy to play around with WordPress plugins and to create new content, infographics, and play around with social media strategies to get traffic. There's so many different things you could do, but being focused on making revenue, being focused on growing a team, being focused on growing a business, that stuff was invaluable for me because it taught me, hey, here are the things that you should focus on. Here are the things you don't even bother focusing on. So- I dropped out of college. And so I'm very interested kind of personally to hear, you know, you went to school and you said you studied business. What, if any, what were like the things from business school that you learned that you feel like gave you a leg up in your first online business in the blog? Yeah. When I talk about my four years at the school that I attended, for me, it's mostly it, school gives you four years of space four years of time to expand your brain, expand your possibilities and do with it what you want. So I actually think for a lot of students, four years of school gives them a leg down. I actually think they come out of it in a worse situation. Whereas if they had to address the realities of the real world, they wouldn't necessarily be drinking and partying and playing video games and all those other things. So for me, I think the biggest advantage of school was literally that for four years, I had an environment where it didn't matter if I succeeded or failed. It literally didn't matter. And as far as if, if you're alluding towards like academics, nothing, Mitka. There's nothing that goes on in a college classroom that gives you a leg up or anything. Every single thing you can learn in a college classroom, I promise you, you can get online or in a book. It's literally just about the people you meet, the environment you're in, and that there's, there's the biggest safety net ever. 
Mika, this is a wild thing. If I told you, hey, I'm not going to do anything for the next four years. I want, in fact, not only am I not going to do anything, but I'm going to take out a $60,000 loan every single year. I'm not going to make any money. I'm just going to play video games, go to parties, and hang out with my friends, play some soccer and some ultimate Frisbee. That's what I'm going to do for four years. People would call me crazy. But within the context of college, we let kids do that. In fact, we don't only let them do it, we encourage them to do that. And so it's to me, it's just the biggest safety net in the world where you have no expectations and all the room in the world for failure. So I figured, why not try something cool? Yeah, I think um, I think I wish I would have been a little bit more self-aware than you and like use that time to do something productive because I did a lot of unproductive things. I wasn't I wasn't like you. I was very into the unproductive. Uh, I won't go into any more details about that one, but extracurricular activities. Yes, right? let's go with that. That sounds good. Um, but I think towards the end of my like I dropped out after my sophomore year and the last few months I was kind of like, I feel like there's like, like I should start doing something. And like, I wish that even though I would have dropped out with way more debt than I do right now, I think if I had taken two years and kind of ride the loans, but like have, you know, skip classes, whatever, it doesn't matter. And then just focus on like building businesses. It could be beneficial, but you're then, you know, gambling with debt and that kind of stuff. But so what happened? Did you, the blog, did you sell it? Did you just shut it down? Like what happened there? Yeah, so good question. I get asked this question, gosh, at least like twice a month still to this day. So I still own it. I don't actively run it. I had a guy running it for quite some time. But then with family pressures and cultural pressures based on where his family's from, he was pushed into banking like every other person in his family. So that turned into a dead end. It's something that I could find somebody to keep running it. But yeah, still to this day, I own it. One day I'll revive it. One day I'll sell it for sure. It's a cool little asset to have. It still has a lot of brand recognition. I love anytime I go to England and I meet people who are huge fans of the site. So yeah, it's something I'll revive one day, but right now it's just not something I'm focusing on. I had no idea that you still owned it. I just assumed that you, that because most people that we do these conversations with, you know, they either like, like just stop doing anything on it because they never thought that they could even sell it or they sell it. So is it still something that's like bringing in revenue and that kind of stuff? Yeah, it's not actively bringing in revenue because like I said, I mean, that business relies fully on content creation and Mm -hmm. it's just something that I'm not investing in right now and something that I stay very far away from actually right now. Just given, I, I don't think that that's a business model conducive to the type of life that I live or the type of life that I wanna live. So yeah, that's the cool thing about it, though, is we still have all of our traffic channels are in place, our search engine optimization still strong, our brand recognition strong. I still know all the PR directors at Premier League clubs all over England. So everything's still there if I just put the pieces in place, which is why, I mean, in hindsight, should I and would I have sold it with some of the offers that I started having like midway through that journey? For sure, in hindsight, I would, but I just think that the business development skills that I gained through persisting and and definitely the life lessons I learned through realizing the shortfalls of that sort of business model, those have served me far more financially and, and mentally than just selling it would have. So yeah, I mean, I love everything about that journey and it'll forever be the way that I got my entrepreneurial start. As a, as a note on that, now it sounds really easy to say like you should have just sold that website, but now selling a website, like an online business like that is much, much easier. Yeah. Back then, it, I, I could have almost seen it being like, this kind of sounds like, is this possible? Like, do I need to go through some weird back channels to do this? Like, 
So it makes sense that um, that didn't happen. Now, you said that your next kind of venture was an SEO agency. For people who understand the differences in those businesses, you went from something where you kind of didn't have a boss. It was your own self. You were publishing content. Sure, you were working with advertisers, but mostly it was something that it was just you to an SEO agency where you have clients. And as people who work with clients knows, every client is just another boss. Why did you go in that direction? And then what was it like to transition from that, you know, from that content business to the client kind of business model? Yeah, it it depends how deep you want to go into this, Mitko, because for me, I'm as deep as you want to go. I was like, this could be a therapist session. (laughs) I think a big part of why my 22 year old brain was like, let's start a marketing and SEO agency from there is I wanted to prove that what I did with my soccer website was not a fluke. And it wasn't lucky because and I think that's a character trait for most entrepreneurs where when we have some degree of success, because we all have imposter syndrome to an extent, we wonder like, was that just luck? Did I just get lucky when something worked out? And so for me with a soccer blog, I always wondered, was it just lightning in a bottle? Like mm-hmm. was it just kind of a one-time occurrence? And so I really wanted to take the building elements of my soccer blog and apply it to other businesses. I love seeing things grow. I think it's the coolest thing in the world. And I guess for me, it's I always equate, I don't know if this is true or false, but I know all my friends agree with me, but that's a little bit of selection bias. As the son of an immigrant mom, like my mom's family came to the United States to see a family grow, to set roots and see growth happen. They didn't come here to just have the status quo. They didn't leave Albania to just come to the United States and live the exact same sheltered life, limited life. They came here to see things grow. And that's always been a core part of my personality where I love seeing things grow. And so after Prem Talk, I said, nah, this was like the the most epic journey of my life to see my business grow. I want to be involved with a ton of businesses growth. I want to just be growing dozens of businesses all at the same time. And so when these companies were hitting me up, I mean, it was easy to start that agency because companies already wanted me and they already Mm. wanted me to work with them. And so it was the coolest opportunity in the world. That's and we talk about every client is a boss, but also every client is like a real life business, a real life person that you're serving. I just think it's the coolest thing in the world. So that's why I was so excited about switching from very little human interaction, just writing stories about soccer to actually being hands on with clients, helping them grow. Several years back, I was helping to start an agency. And one of the interesting things there was that I was 23, something like that. And I had been involved in like the online world with online businesses. I think the the reason why I decided to go into an agency was there was an image bias there where it almost made you gain some sort of confirmation in some way. Like it was something that people understood while everything else I was doing almost looked a little shady to most people. Did you have that as well to where like, hey, you went, you built this blog that was kind of like nobody really knew what you were doing, but then you decided to do an agency, which has a little bit more like an image of like success to it or something like that. Does that make sense? Yeah, I I can definitely see what you're saying. And I do see that happen with a lot of entrepreneurs. For me, it wasn't that. I was, because here's the other side of having an immigrant mom, which Mitko, I know you can relate to this with immigrant parents. And immigrant parents want safety. Safety is also something that they value immensely for their kids. 
And so when I graduated, my parents really encouraged me to get a job. They were like, just for a year or two or four, like they were hoping that I was going to keep working. They were like, just go get a job, get benefits, get a 401k, do all those things. And so begrudgingly, I worked as an analyst within a healthcare organization in Massachusetts for literally 10 months. That's how I lasted. And I was like, what am I doing here? In between and, the blog and the agency or? Yeah, oh, exactly. Okay. okay. And so it was, it was a silly 10 months because I mean, every entrepreneur knows what I was doing at my job. I was working on my businesses. Like, come on. <laughs> and so 10 months later, I left there and that's when I started the agency. So for me, it never was like, oh, this, this is going to be viewed as lucrative. Sure, we all picture ourselves running this worldwide agency with thousands of employees. But I think doing that exposed, it exposed two things. One, it exposed the very differences between a business model like a blog, a content-based business model, and it exposed my shortcomings skill-wise into how those skills transferred to an agency model. And so I realized, crap, I don't know anything about pricing. I don't know how to mm. price my services. And so with a soccer blog, man, if you have a content-based business and you want to price your advertising deals, I can tell you everything you need to know about CPMs, average amount of page views, everything. But if you sat me down when I was 22 and you said, cool, I want to get a new website from you, how much does it cost? I didn't know how to price that out. I couldn't do it based on, on the old metrics that I had. So that's the first thing I exposed was my shortfalls in entrepreneurial skills transferred to a different business model. And the second thing I think it exposed is the type of life that I want to live and how important your business model is when it comes to fitting in with that. So very quickly, I realized running your business doesn't mean the same thing with regards to what your life looks like. It all depends on your business model. And so I went from with my soccer blog, I was staying up super late at night, I was on the East Coast. So usually about 10pm East Coast time, the next day's headlines in England would come out, and we were covering covering English soccer. And so I would stay up all night and just write a ton of articles and then sleep halfway through the day. Well, it doesn't work in an agency model, your clients actually want to be able to pick up the phone and talk to you. So it was just a totally different life. And I think those are the two biggest things that really quickly jumped out at me when I switched to the agency model. So which one of those things, because I mean, now, you know, to kind of jump a little bit, but now you're kind of back to something that says closer to the soccer blog in terms of like business model. Is that reflective of the fact that you didn't enjoy the lifestyle that the agency provided? Yeah, 100%. So if you ask me which of those two models that I liked, the answer is actually neither, which is why my business today doesn't reflect either of those. So my business today is entirely scalable. So for example, I sell my flagship program is called the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur Bootcamp. It sells for $2,000. I've got students from all around the world in it. So that's an online course. They don't get any access to me. You buy it and trust me, it is like the culmination of my best work ever. Like the bootcamp has started so many cool businesses. I love seeing what people do with it. And so, and the fun thing for me is that content is always evolving. I'm always creating new content for it. Every single month, I'll drop some new content in it, whether it's new templates or case studies, things that are actually working. So yeah, it's not reliant on me actually being there actively. And then in addition, because I do need that human fix, and because I've already exposed how addicted I am to growth and helping people and serving people, a few times a year, I will open my doors for what I call the entrepreneur to entrepreneur sprint, which is 90 days where we say, you know what, 
You've not taken action for all this time. Let's just take 90 days of more focused action than ever before. It's usually a group of 10 to 15 entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs. And I work with them every single week, but it's only for three months. So it's really cool because now I have that that blend of I can choose the three months out of my year where I want to work with people and be on the hook and have calls with them and have weekly video calls. But on the whole, no, I mean, when I was traveling, for example, those three and a half months that I told you about for the road trip across the country, I wasn't creating content. I wasn't managing my email inbox. I wasn't doing any of that stuff. Gotcha. Gotcha. So to go back to the agency, because I think it's really interesting, especially because people who identify as an entrepreneur, they understand this. You go from one thing to, you know, it, 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 it burns out. Then you go to the next thing and you're constantly kind of learning about yourself. So what happened to the agency? And then how did you go from that to your current business? Yeah. Awesome question. So this is a fun story. This is like, this brings back the emotion, the entrepreneurial feels when I tell this story. So well, man, if I get you to cry, I've done my job as a podcaster. <laughs> so, you know, dude, Mika, I, I've, I've revisited all of these entrepreneurial things so many times now. <laughs> so yeah, the, the agency, I, I remember the day that I knew the agency wasn't my long-term thing. It was Christmas Eve, 2014. So, or 2013, it was our second year into the agency. And we did first, we did six figures as a business partner of mine from high school. So we did six figures in our very first year of business, which was so cool for two 22 year olds. And in our second year of business is when we both started realizing, man, we are working way too hard for this money. We were just pulling all nighters all the time. We were taking on so many clients. I mean, we, we were doing all the right things. Like we had too much demand for our services And then on Christmas Eve of our second year, one of our clients who is also based in Massachusetts, most of our clients were local-ish, his email server went down on Christmas Eve, and he had a doggy daycare. And I'll never forget this client. And so he called me up frantically and was like, our email server is down. And me being a millennial, I was like, cool, I'll log on and fix it. And he was just like, no, you need to come here, drive here, which is an hour and a half away. And he's like, you need to come here and fix it with me. So I see how to fix it if it ever happens again. I was like, dude, it's Christmas Eve. Like, can we do this two days from now? I was with my family. My family from New York was in town. And so me being me, I drove out there. And it's the nature of having clients. I drove out there, spent my Christmas Eve helping this dude fix his email server for a doggy daycare with no dogs there because it was Christmas Eve. (laughs) So yeah, I was just, to me, that was, it's a small story. It's obviously a microcosm of what was going on and and what client-based work is like. But I just knew right then and there, I'm going to get burned out by this. I can't keep doing this. This is not aligned with the things that I value in my life. Like if you take me away from my, my family on Christmas Eve, I don't know what in the world would get me to do that. And it certainly wasn't a doggy daycare whose email server went down. And so that's that definitely accelerated my burnout. My business partner was getting even more burned out than me because for him, everything was new. He'd never managed SEO projects before. He'd never managed clients before. And so I knew that he was also getting burned out. But it was kind of that case where if you're at the movies with your significant other and the movie's not great... You're thinking, man, this movie sucks. And you hope your significant other is also thinking this movie sucks. Neither of you want to say it first because you don't want to be that person if the other one's enjoying it. So a little bit of that was going on with my business partner until one day I woke up to an email from him and the subject line was our future. 
and my heart sank. I was like, I know exactly what's inside this email. It was a really nice email where he talked about how much he learned, but it wasn't working for him. And so in that moment, Miko, this is my entrepreneurial low. Everything that I was building for more than two years came to a crash. And he had 49% of the company and he said he wanted to dissolve it. So it is what it is. And for me, it was my entrepreneurial low. I'll be honest with you what I did that night. I started Googling GMAT study centers. I started looking into grad school. I started looking into what types of jobs you can get with a master's degree in business. And I remember I talked to my parents that night and I was like, look, my business partner quit. This was fun. We made decent money, but I'm burned out. I'm not happy. This isn't what I want to be doing. And so my parents are always supportive with everything I do. So they were like, all right, cool. Like whatever you do will support you. Just think about it. So the next day, I don't know what got into me, but the next day I woke up and I was like, you know what? I am an entrepreneur. That's not just something that can change. Like that is something that is within you. And so my, my path to grad school lasted all of like 12 hours. And the next day I just woke up like a man on a mission. And I said, you know what? Life is too short. I'm going to start packaging up all these things I've learned over the past. At that point, it was like seven or eight years of being an entrepreneur. And I started, I just recorded, I stayed in my bedroom for like a month, just recording my first ever course called the blog or blogging your way to profits. And it was all about how to build a blog and start profiting from it. It's funny, people still to this day buy it. I launched that course in 2013. And some people are like, dude, I'm still making money based on these things. And so even after I recorded it, you know, Mitko, it, it happens to every entrepreneur, you do something, and the results are delayed. You don't see success right away. And so for me, I had that that entrepreneurial high, I had all of that, that dopamine was firing. And then after I recorded the course, I put it out there. And nothing happened. And then two days later, I'll never forget, and you being a fellow Eastern European, you'll appreciate this, some random dude in Romania found my link, bought my course for $297. Still to this day, I have the PayPal receipt. And that was it. From there, I said, you know what, I want to share my knowledge with people all over the world, started recording courses and selling them online, got better at it, used all the skills I'd gained up to that point, And it just led to what I'm doing today. At that point, there was really, you hadn't yet garnered an audience for what you had started to sell, right? At first, you were talking to people who were soccer fans. Then you worked with small local businesses. These are different audiences. Both those two from each other are different. And then also your third new audience is people who want to become entrepreneurs, right? People who are entrepreneurs who want to become entrepreneurs. How did you start to build up that list? And how were you even able to get a sale even within two days yeah. from putting up that course? I know exactly how, because I'll never forget that first sale. And so that night, the night that I finished recording the course, I listed it on Warrior Forum. Do you know what that is? Uh, I, I'm a bit young to have been on Warrior Forum myself, but I know what it is, yes. Yeah, so back in like 2013-ish, Warrior Forum was... It was it. That was where internet marketing happened because we didn't have Facebook groups back then. We didn't have like all these entrepreneurial conferences. Everybody hung out on this place called Warrior Forum, which it was literally just an internet forum of people who are doing marketing on the internet. And I'll be honest with you, most of Warrior Forum, if anyone listens to this interview and thinks to themselves, I should go listen, go pay attention to Warrior Forum. Warrior Forum is full of scams. Warrior <laughs> Forum is like people who say, how can we trick Google's algorithm to rank higher? How can we 
get our ads in places where we're not actually paying for them. Like it's super scammy practices. And so me just being as naive as I was in my early twenties, I was like, no people on warrior forum would like to do things in a better way. They'd like to see the the light side. And so I just, I literally made a post being like, Hey, if all these other scammy things haven't worked for you up to this point, here's who I am. Here's the blog that I grew. I recorded everything I learned about blogging in this course called blogging your way to profits. Here's the link. And that was it. And you got it. And you got it. That was it. (laughs) That's pretty good. How did you then start to build up a list in in a more sustainable way than having to rely on warrior form? Yeah. So really early on, I switched. Once I started getting a few sales there, I just took that money and just switched over to Facebook ads. To me, paid advertising is the only traffic source that you can actually control. So if you are doing search engine optimization, you could do SEO for six months and not get any results. It takes time because Google has to index you. They have to crawl your website. Those things take time. But when it comes to paid ads, you and I could launch an ad literally right now. And 13 minutes from now, we could start having traffic and we get to choose who that traffic is. So really early on, I just said, you know what? Serious business owners are able to profitably pay for traffic. I want to do that. It's scalable. It's controllable. It's targeted. So that's exactly what I did really early on. Was your idea to kind of be at a loss for a little bit and build up a list or was your idea, hey, I have this course up and I'm just going to funnel people directly into the course? Yeah, I because I love writing. I mean, I was just cranking out like free PDFs and I was giving those away like crazy. So it was pure lead capture because I realized if I have a huge audience, it's so much easier to sell anything. Not just I wasn't short sighted then I didn't only expect myself to have blogging your way to profits. I wanted to and it's obviously what I've done up to this point, have all different products. So yeah, it was very intentional about list building up front. And how did you learn Facebook ads? Because that's not just something that you kind of like wake up and you know how to do, you know? Yeah, just like just like riding a bike. <laughs> you could read about riding a bike all you want. You could know all the mechanics of it. But until you sit your butt in that seat, you have no clue. And I promise you that's true about Facebook ads. Anyone who's trying to learn about Facebook ads, just just launch an ad. You will learn so much. And also you'll be way more invested because it's your money. And you will say, holy cow, I want this money to work. So yeah, the only way to learn Facebook ads is by doing it. And that's one of the benefits actually of like finding a job where if you're just getting started, finding a job that allows you to like uh, play with house money. Yep. Um, like we had somebody on the show earlier. His name is Vincent Nigu and he has a really awesome Facebook agency now. But the way that he learned was that he was hired by a company that was told him like, hey, we want to get into Facebook ads, go learn Facebook ads for us. And he got to learn it for himself using their money. So that's also a trick if you don't have um, you know, the money to invest in yourself to do. Um, one of the things that I've spoken with Mitch about is he will talk about how amazing your boot camp is. I don't know exactly what he went through, but he has literally said that his entire business is based on what he what you taught him. Um, and I have talked to several other people who um, have said the same thing. Travis himself has told me many times that when he's talking about marketing, he turns to you. What exactly are your products and your like, um, you know, your your courses, and what do people learn in there so that people listening can know if it's for them or not? Yeah. So at its really core level, it makes me smile, Miko, hearing that. So thanks for passing on those kind words. So. 
I really always tell people like the the secret sauce of my marketing recipe is legitimately that I make things as simple as possible. And so while everybody else is going to spin your head around about click through rates and conversion rates and cost per click and all these other things, at the root of it, business is and always has been and always will be about serving people. And so what I've done over all of these entrepreneurial experiences, like the underlying story throughout everything we talked about today is I was studying and I was obsessed with successful entrepreneurs and successful businesses. And so over the years, I've taken my own experiences. I've taken lessons that I've learned from mentors. Like I've had incredible conversations with seven and eight figure entrepreneurs who have just passed on to me incredible wisdom. And maybe the biggest of which was always be looking for patterns. And so as all of this has been happening, I've always been looking for patterns. And every single time I look at successful businesses versus unsuccessful businesses, I always realize, you know what? Successful businesses just have these six things correct. It's just six things. And the six things, by the way, they're not rocket science. I'm not going to hide them from your listeners. It's the entrepreneur. You have to have an entrepreneur's mindset. If you're a quitter, you're never going to have a successful business. Even if all your other ingredients are perfect, you'll never have a successful business. That's the first ingredient. Second ingredient is your audience. Who is it that your business serves? If you're trying to sell, let's say you're trying to sell mansions to poor people, complete misalignment. It's never going to work. You're absolutely going to fail in that business. So the second one is the audience to serve. The third one is your product, your offer. What is your actual product or your service? What is it that you sell to people? The fourth ingredient is your marketing. How do you actually get in front of people? The fifth ingredient is your sales. So if you're not closing sales as an entrepreneur, you're not making money. And the sixth ingredient is growth. How do you actually grow and scale up? Now, the thing about those six ingredients, you see none of that is rocket science. But here's the thing. If any single one of those is off, your business will never grow. It's that simple. And so when anybody comes into my world or into my ecosystem or in Mitch's case to my event or in Travis's case when we're talking about a product launch, Those are the only six things I care about and the only six things I look at. I say, cool, who's this for? What is it? How are you going to market it? How are you going to sell it? And then how can we grow it from there? So when you really simplify it, that's how people do it. So my entrepreneur to entrepreneur bootcamp is exactly that. It's the six pillars of a successful business. It hones in. There's a module on each and every one of those six ingredients with worksheets, with case studies, with examples, with templates, showing people, hey, this is how you actually grow a business. I love that because nowadays there's like so much information and it can be so easy for people to like get overwhelmed by all the things that they think they need to be doing. And I love that you've made it um, so simple. And where can people, if this sounds like something that people want to like look into, where can they go to to find this? Yeah. So the hub of everything that I do now that they've met me here on your podcast is imetbrian.com. So they can go to imetbrian.com. Best place to start. I'll be honest. I'm not even asking him. Don't, don't spend $2,000 with a random dude that you heard on a podcast episode. Get a free copy of my book. I'll mail it out to you. I've already paid for copies of my books. You just have to cover shipping and handling. Go to imetbrian.com. I will actually write a personal note. People never believe that I do that. I will literally write you a note in there and ship it out to you. So you can get a free copy of my book at imetbrian.com. There's also a free training that you can get there about the six ingredients. And on that free training, I tell you more about the bootcamp as well. You don't have to buy 
start out with a free copy of my book. So that's all at imetbrian.com. Someone wants to jump straight to the bootcamp, they can go to getthebootcamp.com. That's getthebootcamp.com. But I always tell everyone, start at imetbrian.com, see who the heck I am and how I can actually help you. Yeah, we'll have all the links to that in the show notes. So if anybody's listening, head on over there, uh, grab the book. Uh, great book. I've hit, or, I haven't read it yet myself, but I've heard really good things about it. So definitely, go. Dude, I'm <laughs> well, going to take your address and mail it straight to you. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'm going to go to I met Brian right after this. Um, <laughs> but last question, I know you got to run to, and I want to be respectful of your time, but I've been following your journey for a while now, and I've, I've always loved your marketing and kind of the story that you tell. So I'm really curious, where do you go 10 years from now? Like, where do you want to be, you know, in, in 10 years? Yeah, that's a, it's a big question. And I always tell people like it's it's hard to plan out that far into the future because I mean who would have known here in 2020 we'd have a complete and total lockdown where we couldn't right. even go to the grocery store. So <laughs> you never know where life is going to lead you, but I will say that when I look at where I'm going to be in 10 years, I want to be invested equity-wise in businesses in different verticals using the stuff that I've learned in my own verticals and with my own clients over the years. So it's really something I've been looking into for the past two years in particular is how do I get my hands in different businesses and inject my stuff into their verticals, their industries. So yeah, 10 years from now, I'd love to be coaching my kids in soccer and tennis and traveling the world still spending a lot of time with my family and my future wife's family and loving life and doing business and just helping people in different industries. Well, that's awesome, man. Thank you so much for uh, stopping by again. Uh, I know there's lots of crazy stuff going on in the world right now. So thank you for taking the time to talk uh, and, and share your knowledge. And uh, I feel like we can go on because I have more questions. Maybe we'll have to do another podcast another time. But thanks so much. Uh, I seriously appreciate you stopping by. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mitko. It has been long overdue. And dude, this was fun. I'd love to come on again. 